Good morning. Go ahead and grab uh, a chair. So we have we have a new microphone cable on here, and we are praying and hoping that that big boom that is intermittently present to wake us up <coughs> won't be. We you just no I, I Holy Spirit and I can work together to see if we can keep you awake. Yeah, the boom was bad. It even frightened me last week. It was so loud. Boom. Um, my name's Randy. I'm one of you. We're here together, seeking to become like Jesus in all things, which is. The title for um, our current series. By the way, all those little stars on the screen, they'll, they'll be going away this week too. Just, just an FYI, that's a failing video projector. Doesn't it look cool though? It does, yeah. But one of these days we'd come in and it was going to be all the wrong. Anyway, bless God. All right. Seeking to become like Jesus in all things. The New Testament, as I shared last time, is is pretty clear about this idea. And, you know, we have it in our narrative, and we, we didn't come up with it. Uh, we, we found it uh, in the Bible, and uh, particularly one of the passages just about says that exact same thing. And let me just read those to you again, just, just to remind us. Uh, from Romans 8, we know that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We love that verse. It is a wonderful verse. But it is unto something. It is unto that those whom he foreknew, he also destined to become like his son. To become like Jesus. Ephesians 4 references leadership in the church. It references uh, training and equipping unto wholeness and completeness and becoming like Jesus. Listen to this. The gifts Christ gave were that some would be apostles, some of prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip or make ready or mend for works of service, for building up the body of Christ until all of us become one in faith and in the knowing of the Son of God. Unto holiness, wholeness, and completeness, to the full measure of the maturity of Christ, to the full measure. That's that's the goal of our wholeness, our completeness, is that we would become like Christ, that we would experience the very maturity of Christ in us. And he, then he goes on to sort of say, "Hey, we we need to stop being children." who are tossed to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickeries, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking to you truthfully and in love, we must grow up becoming like Christ in all things. Then in 1 Peter he says, This is the kind of life that you've been invited into, the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so that you would know that it could be done and for you to follow in his footsteps. 
And then in 1 John chapter 2, this is how we know that we are in Christ. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as he did. Now those are, those are powerful declarations of the kind of life and the kind of <clears throat> persons that we're supposed to be. And as uh, my favorite author these days, Dallas Willard, says, they're not just pretty words. These are the very words of God. And personally, I am on a daily basis up against the fact that I'm not like that yet. I'm not yet unto teleos, wholeness and completeness. I'm not yet to the full measure of the maturity of Christ. I'm not yet grown up to become like Jesus in all things. But he and I are working on it. And I'm here standing before you with a heart and desire, the very heart and desire of the Father, that all of us, as Ephesians says, would become one in faith and in the knowing of the Son of God. That's why we're here together. That's why we're a church. That's why we're a part of the great family of God. So if we're to become like Jesus... The really big question is, one, are we committed to that? I mean, that's, that's pretty significant. But, but then, secondarily, how? How do we do that? And I, I shared last week, it, you know, we're just not going to wake up some morning and magically be just like Jesus. It's not going to happen. God has said in First Peter, I don't have the... The, the text up for you, but that everything we need for life and living a divine life, a godly life, has already been provided to us through knowing him. Everything we need. He has made available. He has provided. It's here. It's available. It's at hand. It's the kingdom of God. It's the rule of God. It's eternal life. Everything that we need has been provided. It's available. And then Peter goes on to say, and add to your faith and add to your love and add to godliness. And there's, It's an amazing passage of, of practices that are intended to help us to, in fact, become like Jesus. Not teaching from that this morning, but just as a reference. There is a way, there, there is a means by which God has intended and made available to us to become like Jesus. And what that is, real honestly, is to connect with and learn from Him. And I would say, just like His disciples did. Now, just like in the sense that every day they were with Jesus, every day they watched Jesus interact, do what he did, talk to them, teach them, give them clarity on circumstances, would teach to a crowd and then take them aside and explain some more every day. 
Every day they were with him. They were learning from him. Just like that is what it's supposed to be like for us. Jesus said in Matthew 28, I am with you always. Do you believe that? Do you think that's really true? I do, but I don't live that way every day. I'm, I'm working on it. I promise. And he's working with me. Okay, I've got to tell you a quick story. So I've uh, got a new riding lawnmower thing. And um, drove it into the garage last night to, to work on it. And, and it wouldn't start afterwards. I've got a brand new battery and it's used. I bought it last Sunday. And his battery didn't work either last Sunday. So my first thought is, I guess whatever the mechanism is that charges the battery isn't doing that. And so I'm looking in the engine compartment, which you can't see very much on a riding lawnmower. It's not like our cars. Well, I guess it is like our newer cars. You can't really see much under there. Um, but anyway, I, I'm, I can find the red cable, and that's cool. And so the only really thing I could do was take off the, the nuts that were holding the clamps on, right, and the little things, and then, you know, clean them up with a, a wool and stuff and, and then put it back together and hope it'll work. Um, so the nuts that were on there, there is a point to all this. And if I don't get past the first page, I'm way okay with that. I've already communicated to him I'm not getting through this material uh, today. But I, I want, because, I'm going to pause, because you've gotten lost in my story. I'm lost in my story. The, the po- I will. The the point is, every day, in every situation, in every moment, Jesus is with us and he wants to teach us how to live and how to handle that situation. Every day, I guess it's still there. And every moment, so I'm glad you're awake, um, Jesus is with us just like he was with the disciples. Okay, you can't see him. I get it. That's hard. I'm I'm trying to figure that one out too. But he is. Either that or he's a liar. Anybody want to call Jesus a liar? The problem's not on God's end here, right? At the same time, he's not looking for us to become magically perfectly just like Jesus. It's a work in process. Paul's really clear about that. God who initiated this work is going to finish it. Teleos it. The work in us. But we've got to cooperate. We, we have to participate. We have to be willing to change the way we think and to change the way we live, the way we process and do what we do, if we're going to become like Jesus. That's all there is to it. It is not magical. It is not. Because how many of us have been following Jesus for a really long time and we're not there yet? And sadly... Not as far along as I would have thought I would be at 60. But I'm further ahead than I was. Ask my wife. A little bit. All right, story. So the, the nuts and nuts were, the bolts were weird that they had, he had on the device. And I was wondering if maybe that was part of the problem. So I went to my little fancy thing. to. I don't have a whole lot of weird little bolts, but I've got a few. And so I, fa- I found two. And then I, I wanted a lock nut washer so that it would stay on. 
I found the perfect size lock nut washer. It was awesome. I only had one, so I had to cheat on the other one. I go over there. I, I set the bolt and the nuts and the, uh, and the washer down, and the washer falls into, onto this level area. So I, I reach down to get it, and I push it under the metal framing that was right there. I go, really? So I, I you know, kind of, it, it's just, it just slid literally right underneath, sorry, something that was the same height, just really close, right? So then I get down, and I, I look underneath, and all I see is metal compartments, you know, enclosed area. There's no way I'm going to get at that. So I, I'm not having a bad attitude. I'm not swearing like I used to do. Um, I'm just, okay. And a thought pops into my head. Oh, you know, in the top drawer of my toolbox, I got this metal stick thing. And it's got a little magnet on the end of it. It's really pretty small. I wonder if, if I put that down there, Will it draw it out? Friends, that was not me. That was the Holy Spirit working with me. I know that I know that I know. Okay, do I have knowledge of that thing? Yeah. Did I think of it? No. So, I go over to my little toolbox, 12 feet away. I get out this, and it's stuck to my toolbox. It's got a magnet on it. And I walk over, and I put it down, and it sticks to the metal frame of the... Okay, so then I've got to grab it with two hands, and, and I move it over to where I think, and it, it connects, and it slides out. Friends, that was God. I know, I know we can all say, la, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you grab the metal magnet, yeah, yeah. I'm just telling you, that's what life is supposed to be like, and better than that. I mean, I'm not saying that God's, you know, gonna gonna help you find every single little nut and bolt that you've lost or fix every little thing, but I think way more He wants to do that for us. But I don't think we believe He does. I'm gonna suggest, as I suggested last week and some other weeks, talking about believing God. I'm going to suggest that our problem is one of belief. Does it even cross our minds? I'm in a circumstance that's minuscule, folding my clothes or making my bed, that God's with me? He's not with me to direct me. He's not here to micromanage me. He's here to work with me. All of the language of the Bible has this aspect of working with. In the Garden of Eden, the, the directives of God that were given to Adam and Eve for ruling and all of that was to be done with God. This independent, our own kingdom thing, our own life thing that we're living and doing is not, never was, and still isn't the will of God. Jesus lived an eternal kind of life, a life connected with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, connected with the Father. And when we look at his life, we can see the kind of life we're supposed to live. 
Claire. She and I talked, uh, have talked numerous times about I want her participation because I do some things well and she does some oh, things well. Oh, you do a lot of things great, huh? Okay, that's not right. Okay, so... Come this way, though, so oh, you're not in front of that. All right. Um, one of the things that was a stumbling block for my dad to become a follower of Christ was uh, he was a deist, so he figured, you know, God was pretty amazing. He built everything, did everything, and then he just kind of let it go. And so when I became a Christian and I was trying to lead him to Christ initially... He's like, do you really think God cares about you? I mean, he's got a lot more important things to do. And this illustration just sounds like so simple, ridiculous. Like, seriously? God really cares about the washer bolt thing that was stuck? And I just, I was reminded of that story with my dad because I think we need to realize that we do struggle with understanding that God is, is very concerned about our lives in the details. I mean, I was thinking about when they need to pay that tax, and Jesus says, go get a fish, open up the fish, and what's in there? The exact amount you need to pay your taxes. And mine too. Yeah, and mine too. But go pay yours and pay mine while you're at it. And it's just like, seriously? Do you really care? And so I think that our faith, you know, we might say, well, you know, God only wants to give us faith to, like, heal the sick and lead someone to Christ and, you know, the real big stuff. But I think that if we can get the small stuff, we may begin to experience God in the everyday deal of our lives. Like when we're at work or when we're cleaning the toilet or signing a paper. I mean, I, that's just part of what I'm getting from what you're saying, Randy, that I think is important. Because I think we can get stuck there. All right. So, how do we become like Jesus? We be with Him and learn from Him. Just like the disciples did. The key is connecting with and, and learning from Jesus. It's, it's about relationship. It's about sharing of life. It's about hearing and listening and doing what he says. You know, that thought pops into my head and I could say, Pfft. sorry, that'll never work. It's gone. It's just, I can't see it. There's no way that magnet's going to get anywhere near that thing. It, it's It's lost. Right? Could have just declined the thought, thinking I'm declining my thought. What if that was the Holy Spirit's thought? What if that was His help, and I make a decision to decline? Am I bad? Not really. Am I helped? Nope. So, this... Life that we're being called to live, this eternal kind of life, this other realm of reality that we are invited to, is not accomplished alone, on our own, and in our own power or strength. It's all about doing that with Jesus, following Jesus, accompanying Jesus which is what I want to talk about this morning. Before we head there, let's pray.
Jesus, I, I, I know that I struggle with believing you. I struggle with these statements from the scriptures that speak of a kind of life that, that you, you want us to live. And I, I get stuck looking around me at, at my world. I get stuck looking at other people. I get stuck looking at myself. And what I need to do is fix my eyes on you. I, I need to learn to see spiritually. To see in the heavenly realm. Jesus, you said, he who has eyes, ears to hear and eyes to see will get these things. And the reason he said that is because he's speaking of spiritual. This other realm. And I get caught, and we get caught just in this material realm. We just, we're just, we just get so, it's so stuck here, looking around us and thinking, and forgetting about you, or thinking that you don't care, or thinking that, well, it's, this is just too little for you, or it's too big, and you're too busy, whatever it is. So as as we walk out together as a as a congregation this topic of becoming like you Jesus and what does it look like and how do we do it would you help us please I I know you want to and and where we're weak would you be strong and where we're blind would you open our eyes Holy Spirit you have been promised to be with us for this very purpose to teach and guide and help us so even right now in this, this 15, 20 minutes that we, we're going to be here, Holy Spirit, would you, would you enlighten us? Would you reveal to us what this living in this life and following Jesus can look like? Not what it does look like as if there's one thing or even a few things. What could it look like for each one of us? for your glory and your eternal realm to be upon this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Following Jesus' baptism, we're told in John chapter 1 that two of John's disciples, um, hearing John declare the words, there goes the Lamb of God, made a decision to follow Jesus out of the camp. They had, Jesus had been baptized probably the day before. They had camped that night, told Holy Ghost stories, and they'd eaten broken breakfast together. And Jesus leaves, and, and as he leaves, John says, Behold, the Lamb of God. I see the Lamb of God. And, and these two disciples go, they look at John, and they look at Jesus, and they look at John, and they look at Jesus, and they follow Jesus. Hadn't seen him do anything. Jesus, I think, in his humanity, personally, sensed them. You know how when somebody walks up behind you? So there's, there, we can kind of sense. I, I think this wasn't a supernatural thing. I think Jesus sensed, noticed them, sensed them following, and he turned. And he asked this question. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? 
and they look at each other, probably they're a little lost for words, and they go, uh, well, Rabbi, where are you staying? Got a hotel room? Because we've been camping out here in the dust with the rattlesnakes and the crickets. And Got a house? No, I don't think that's what they were meaning. Jesus' response, I'm using the message translation. Come along and see for yourself. So they came. They saw where he was living, and they ended up staying with him for the day. It was late afternoon when this happened. Now, Jesus' question there has always intrigued me. And I think it's a profound question yet for today. What are you looking for? What are you seeking? What do you want? These men were disciples of John the Baptist. They had been traveling with and hanging out with John for a while. They were looking for and seeking something. But I wonder if they even really knew what it was they were seeking. Probably God. But maybe it was just a better life. Maybe it was a place to belong. A lot of reasons why maybe they were there. And I'm not sure that they, you know, initially, I know they did not initially understand his question. Because when Jesus asked them, what are you looking for? Their answer was kind of lame. Uh, Yeah, well, um, uh, so, uh, um, where are you staying? But Jesus was not put off by that. And my imagination sees him with this huge grin and a chuckle. Come along and see for yourself. You don't have a clue what you're going to see and where you're going to go. But come on, come hang out with me. I wonder if, if Jesus were to you know, walk up to you later this morning. You've, you've heard this talk, you've been thinking about this idea of being with Jesus and you're, you're walking to your car and, and Jesus walks up to you and he says, hey, so what are you looking for? What are you looking for? What is it you want? What would we say? What would you want to say? Do we really know what we're looking for? These men didn't. And for Jesus, that was just fine. Because he had a plan and a process in mind to help them both to know the answer for that question and that was to be with him. That was what he invited them to. Listen to what happened next in John's story in John 1. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John's witness and followed Jesus. The other one was John. We don't know that, but we know that. This John, not John the Baptist, but the John who wrote the Gospel of John. This story's only in the Gospel of John. It's not in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And the first thing he did after finding where Jesus lived was find his own brother, Simon, telling him, Hey, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he immediately led him to Jesus. Jesus took one look up and said, Hey, you're John's son, Simon. 
from now on, your name is Cephas, or Peter, which means rock. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. So they had stopped somewhere along the way, nearby home, but someplace a little further on. When he got there, he ran across Philip and said, follow me. Now, my personal gut feeling is is that uh, Jesus was familiar with these guys. Uh, we don't know that, but I'm, we're going to talk about Jesus' disciples in a few months. Uh, but I don't think this is the first time that he's found Philip. I don't think it's cold turkey. We know that's true of Peter. Because here Peter's being introduced to Jesus. And later, when Jesus, when he's fishing one morning, and we don't know how much later, Jesus says to Peter, follow me. Says it to John on the same day. But he's already met them. So this is not cold turkey, in my opinion. Follow me. And follow here um, as in come, you know, to come after or walk after someone is a legitimate understanding in this idea of walking behind. But the word can also mean, and is clearly that way, it could mean accompany me. It, it has within it the word road in the Greek. And, and the idea is journey. When Jesus said, follow me, he was saying, hey, come with me. Walk with me. Accompany me. Hang out with me. We're not called to walk behind Jesus. I mean, we talk about walking in his steps. And there are times... <laughs> Are there not where that's what we really need to do? Okay, my head's down and I'm simply following Jesus. My eyes are fixed on Jesus because uh, I'm walking on water. And if I do anything but have my eyes on Jesus and look down at the water, it's, it's going to be a problem. That water being a child who's ill. A spouse who's being unfaithful. A difficult child. A hard boss. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, not on the circumstance. Mark clarifies this, in my opinion, in Luke 6 and in Mark 3. During those days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray. Sometime later, right? And he spent all night in prayer to God. When daylight came, he summoned, he called his disciples, a larger crowd. And from them, this larger group, he chose 12, whom he also named apostles, to be with him. And to be sent out to proclaim the good news and to have authority to cast out demons. But first, they had to be with him. And that's true for us too. Jesus' first invitation is not take up your cross and follow me. Though he does say that. His first invitation is accompany me. Be with me. Learn from me. Watch me. And while I'm advocating 
and believe with all my heart that we're to do that in this life, in my life, in this day and every day, there's a good place where we get to see and hear Jesus and can learn from him. And where's that? The Bible. Four books. Now, John says if everything had been written about him, the books in the world would not be able to contain it. Now, there weren't very many books back in that time, but still. So, when Jesus says to you, accompany me, you're not going to start with walking out of the church and having Jesus at your shoulder or sitting with you in your car and you're chatting with him. Though I believe that's where we're supposed to go. Right, Sean? Sean does a lot of traveling in his car. A number of months ago, I said, Sean, I got this idea. Can you maybe try? I know this is weird. It's hard, it's weird, but you know, you're driving for hours and you go out there and you work, you come back home and you want to be home, you don't want to be at work, I, I know, you know, all that. But can you imagine Jesus sitting next to you in your car? You've got an empty seat there, right? Don't put your lunch there. Put your lunch in the back. Leave the seat empty for Jesus. Can, what do you think about trying this? So he tried it. I don't know how much he's still doing it, but he tried it and we, talk, we chatted about what that was like for him. But that's not where we're going to start. You're welcome to try it. I would encourage you. I think it might happen for you. But where we can start is in the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're all four different stories to a great degree. And starting in the middle of September, that's what we're going to do on Sunday mornings. We're going we're to work our way through the Gospels. Not Matthew first and then Mark and then Luke. But I'm going to use what's called a harmony where... Um, theologians uh, have attempted to chronologically put together the four Gospels in in somewhat of sort of a a story form, worked with some of the difficulties of the passages, which is called a harmony of the Gospels, and that's that's the kind of thing we're going to use. And it is my hope and desire... That, that we as a congregation would be reading through the Gospels as we're looking at them on Sundays. And I'm, I'm going to publish somehow, someplace in advance, the, the various passages that we'll be looking at each week. And it would be awesome if, if you during the week at some point would just read those passages that we're going to be doing. I'm going to have a community group that that's, that's what we're going to do. And we're going to then talk about them prior to the Sunday's teaching so that I can get ideas from you on what I should teach. <laughs> anyway, I mean it. So, these disciples were invited by Jesus to be with him. So from your remembrance of the gospel stories, 
little popcorn, which means you vocally sharing an idea. What were some of the things that the disciples experienced when they were with Jesus? Just, just briefly, just a few words. No long stories, no sentences. Just what, what were some of the things that the disciples experienced when they went with him? Lots of them. Come on, join me. They saw him raise the dead. Cast out demons. Healed the sick. Fed the 5,000. Those are the big ones. Give me some smaller ones. Arguments. They ate dinner. Prayer together. Hanging out with people. Going to parties. Woo-hoo. Going, with, going to a party with Jesus is cool. He told stories. They waited. Yeah, they watched Jesus kind of do that temple thing. Woohoo! Whip. Go get him, Jesus. Got it. Did they have a clue what he was doing or why? No, I don't think so. Because we don't even have much in the gospel explanation. I'm not sure Jesus even explained it much to him, but it didn't get in there. We have the story that he did it. And we're going to be touching on that story this fall. They, they uh, participated in that pretty amazing thing that happened on that Sunday, which was Jesus coming into um, Jerusalem. All that celebration and pray the people. and I mean, it was like the king's coming on a Sunday. And five days later, what did they experience? The garden, the Passover, the stories, the prayer of Jesus. So, they watched Jesus go off and up to the hill when he told them to go across the sea in a boat. And then, later that night, they saw him walk to them on the water. Pretty cool. So, there are a lot of things in the Gospels that help us to learn about who Jesus was the kind of life he lived that he's inviting us to and ways to actually experience him. And while they were with him and while we are with him, we are learning from him to be like him. That's what it means to follow Jesus today to learn from Him, to become like Him. These these two parts are crucial to what Jesus intends for His disciples. Someone who listens and learns from Jesus, but who does not become like Him, who does not actually put into action what He is teaching, is not a true follower of Jesus. To listen and... And learn and not take action. Evidences a lack of belief in what we've heard. If somebody, if, if somebody were to see you standing on the corner. And see that you're facing a red light. And you start walking across the street. And someone yells at you, stop! You don't have the, you've got, the cars are coming, a red light. 
It's cool. I got it. I'm good. A ton of Jesus' teaching is like that. Uh, that that's not going to go so well if you do that. Ooh. But a ton of his teaching is saying it's kind of like this. You know, if if you'll if you'll if you'll do this. It's going to go pretty good for you. To be a follower of Jesus, to, to be his disciple, for Jesus to be our Lord and Savior implies that we believe in him, that we trust him, that what he said was true, and that we should take action upon it. We need to both learn and do. And we'll talk about that more next week. Let's pray. So, we're going to use a few minutes with your eyes closed and I'm going to invite you to imagine that you're with Jesus and you can do that by imagining that he's sitting next to you you can imagine uh, a different place some place maybe where you've where you remember having experienced God before, Jesus before. Maybe there's a place in your memories that was a safe place for you. A place where you felt secure, loved, cared for. Maybe there's a place of beauty. You like you love the sea. Or you love the mountains. Or you love a mountain stream. Whatever. We've been given an imagination. It is a part of our mind. It is a part of our human being. And I believe that it is one of the places where we are to encounter God. And that God is capable of showing himself in that place called our imagination. So if you would just imagine that place. You may be walking with Jesus along the sea. You may be sitting on the grass. And I want you to imagine asking Jesus a question. I don't know what that question is for you. For today. Not not a really big one like, you know, why is there evil in the world? Something related to your life. Ask him a question about your life. And then believe that he can speak to you in your, in your imagination, in your mind. So ask Jesus a question about your life. And listen to what he says.
you know, even if you were not able to hear him, my hope for you is that you will have at least experienced him. He has promised that he is always with you. So whether you heard anything or not, the truth is, for Jesus is a liar, that he is with you. And that over time, you're going to believe that more and more and experience it more and more. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to do just that. Would you join us in our journey and help us to experience you and the Father and the Son? Might you teach us in little ways how to trust you? And then as we trust you in the little things, we'll be able to grow in trusting you in bigger things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for hanging out today and being with us. It was fun. Worship was very special. Come earlier, those of you who missed part of worship. That's a time during the week where we get to tell Jesus we love him. The songs we sing our love songs and we do them we invite you to join us as a worship team to tell Jesus you love him now hopefully you're doing that throughout your day and but there's something special about doing that together so come early come hang out a little bit longer with us on Sundays if you can possibly fit it into your schedule Bless you all. Uh, If we could have some of the folks that would pray for people if they would like it. Some of you may be, you know, something stirring inside. Maybe you're not real happy about something I said. You want to talk about it. Uh, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, Maybe you came this morning and this was not on track at all, but you came really needing something. We would be happy to pray with you and to address that with you. So, If we could have some folks come up here and join us and then we would be available to help minister the rest of you. Grab your kids and have a great week. And we'll see you next Sunday.